you're ready, get your seatbelts fastened. You're about ready to land on the planet Japan with Amy and Doug. Coming to you direct from the garage next to Okayama Castle, it's episode 42 of Planet Japan for March 22nd, 2006. How the Flasher Goddess Made Japan. On this week's show, you'll learn about yet another springtime fertility festival. You'll also hear the sad tale of the grandma who got left behind on the mountain. All that and much more on this week's Planet Japan. Stay tuned. So, you want to hear a joke? Sure. This is a story about Stumpy and his lovely wife, Martha, who would go to the state fair every year. Every time they went, Stumpy saw this great little uh, airplane and he'd want to take a ride in it. Okay, It cost $10 to take a ride, and he thought that was a pretty good deal. So he'd say to his wife, Martha, Hey, Martha, let's go up in the, uh, in the airplane this year. Oh, that looks great, but I don't know. Money's tight. And $10 is $10. Well, of course, Stumpy uh, was very disappointed when his wife uh, had this attitude. But, you know, the next year came along and he tried again. So he he would say, Martha, uh, how about this year? Let's go up in the airplane this year. Oh, I don't know, Stumpy. Money is tight and $10 is $10. Well, so, you know, Stumpy was disappointed again. So, But he thought, okay, next year maybe, maybe next year. Actually, this went on for many, many years. Every year it was the same old thing. He mm. would want to go for a ride in the airplane, and Martha would say, Money is tight, and $10 is $10. Okay, so finally, when they were both about 70 years old, they were at the state fair again, and, uh, and Stumpy looks at Martha and says, Martha, you know I'm 70 years old now, and this might be my last chance to get up in that airplane. What do you say? How about doing it this year? Stumpy, money's tight and ten dollars is ten dollars. Well, just at that moment, the the pilot of the airplane happened to overhear their conversation. And he came over and said to them, You know, folks, I'm willing to make a deal with you. If you'd like to get in my airplane and go up for an airplane ride, and if you can do the whole ride without making a sound or saying a word, I'm going to let you ride for free. But of course, if you say something, then you're going to have to pay ten dollars a piece. Stumpy, what a deal! Let's do it! Okay, let's go! So Stumpy and Martha pile into the airplane, and they fly up into the air. And the, and the pilot, of course, he, he wants his money, so he's doing all these loop-de-loops and crazy stuff, uh, trying to get his money. But nothing, no sound. He finally lands the airplane. You know, Stumpy, that was really good. I, I'm really surprised you didn't make a sound the whole way, and you're going to get the ride for free. And Stumpy looks at him and says, Well, you know, I thought maybe I should have said something when Martha fell out, but you know, $10 is $10. Yeah, that, uh, that's my best old man voice. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. Actually, every year it gets easier and easier to make my old man voice. <laughs> more natural, right? Uh, yes, exactly. It's more right. natural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the Stumpy and Martha story. Oh, yeah. that was cute. It's a true story, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Based on experience. Based on a true story. Yeah. The Martha and Stumpy show. We, should, we, we could rename our show. Hey, I wonder what my moo will be like when I'm 70. Stumpy and Martha. <laughs> That's an old cow? Uh, maybe, yeah. yeah that Ma- That's the young cow. And uh-huh. <laughs> That's the old cow. The old cow. When I become uh-huh. an old cow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Listen to the old cow. <laughs> well, here we are back again for episode number 42. I'm Doug DeLong. And I'm Amy Moo Chavez. And this is? Planet Japan. Well, like we said before, it's uh, springtime in Japan. And one of the truly 
exciting parts of spring time in Japan is the uh, annual uh, Hanami Festival. That's right, which is cherry blossom viewing. And it goes on all over the country. And it's a beautiful tradition where you sit underneath the cherry blossoms after they bloom. Mm -hmm. And um, they only bloom for a couple weeks. Right. And then they drop their petals and you drink sake and watch the petals drop on top of you. It's wonderful. Yeah, and you fill yourself full of food and you normally end up a, uh, a drunken pile on the ground. This is true. Yeah. But what I like about it is that it's truly a family event. And um, you'll go to like parks and stuff and people be sitting under the cherry blossoms, huge groups, you know, companies mm -hmm. get together and do, you know, a big group party and stuff, but families do too. And you'll see the odd uh, obachan, old grandmother out there singing karaoke, because mm -hmm. they do karaoke also, dancing and drinking and it's just everyone, it's a good time for all. Now what's interesting about the uh, Hanami festival is that cherry blossoms bloom at different times in different parts of the country. They normally start in the southern part of the country and go north, is that correct? That's right, and that's why they have the Cherry Blossom Report on TV. Yeah, along with the weather report, they have the Cherry Blossom Report. Right, and it tracks the, uh, the blooming of the cherry blossoms starting in the south all the way up to Hokkaido. Mm -hmm. So um, right now, if you turn on the uh, TV and the radio, there will be reports about you know, when the cherry blossoms exactly will be blooming in your area and where they're blooming now and where you can go see them. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's great. So everyone kind of waits, and then they plan their ohanami parties uh, around the reports right. in anticipation. And actually, the one for our island, Shiraishi, we're having one on April 8th. Oh, no, really? I'm sorry, April 9th. Okay. Yep. So if anyone's around in this area, come out and join us. Hanami time. Yeah, we have a beautiful area. It's at the shrine and lots of cherry trees there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's really nice. The bar actually, Sanchan's bar actually organizes it. I, uh, I love spring. Oh, it's great yeah. time in Japan for sure. It's a fresh beginning. Certainly. And that cold weather is gone and it's nice and warm outside and I love it. And all the fertility festivals. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, yeah. lately we've been talking, last week we talked about the famous uh, penis parade. That's right. Yeah. And the next one to look out for, which we'll talk about later on in the show, mm -hmm. is the Festival of the Steel Phallus. The Steel Phallus. That's right. That's around Yokohama. Wow. Mm -hmm. Now that's uh, another fertility festival? We'll get into that. Oh, okay. Yep, you're oh, ahead okay. of the game here. I'm sorry. Hang on. I apologize. First, we've got some listener mail. Oh, let's do that. Yeah, now this is from Bud. Bud used to live in Japan in mm -hmm. the 50s oh. uh, when he was in the military. And he says, are you familiar with the word Obatsteyama? Obatsteyama was a mountain to which elderly people were sent to die in the old days. Sort of a pre-Meiji hospice without amenities. There you go. <laughs> it's got a great sense of humor, eh? <laughs> and he says, I first heard this word back in the 50s. On Tachikawa Air Base, they had a dormitory where many of the Japanese housemaids lived. The male Japanese workers referred to the old lady's dormitory as Obatsteyama. Ah. Now, Obatsteyama means uh, it comes from Oba, comes from Obachan, which is grandmother or old lady. Mm -hmm. And stay is from the word steru, which means to throw away. Mm -hmm. And yama is mountain. So the... Grandmother Throwaway Mountain. <laughs> it's the Grandmother Throwaway Mountain. That's right. They don't throw away the mountain. They throw away the grandmother at the mountain. That's right. Yeah. And uh, Doug, would you like to tell the story behind Obatsteyama? You know, I wish I could. Oh, you can. Come oh, okay. On. You ahead. can do it. Yeah. 
it's a, a sad story. It's a, it is a very sad uh, kind of uh, wacky legend in Japan about a family who um, lived together with the mother and the father and the two kids and the, and the grandparents. Now, uh, the grandmother got to be very old and uh, developed uh, some kind of disease that caused her to forget, perhaps Alzheimer's. Perhaps, yeah. Perhaps, yeah. Something like that. Some sort of dementia. And they were kind of annoyed by that, the family was. So um, not the best reaction, you know, not the most loving reaction, I suppose, when you have a grandmother with that condition to be annoyed by it. But the legend goes that they were annoyed by it. And so the father said to the grandmother, Grandma, I have an idea. Let's take a picnic lunch up to the top of the mountain and enjoy a beautiful lunch. And Grandma, who was kind of lonely and sad because people had stopped talking to her by this point, she said, yeah, that sounds good. I should do my old lady voice. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that. And so they, they packed a lunch, just the father and the grandmother, went up to the top of the mountain, had a lovely, beautiful picnic lunch, and then the, the father said goodbye and left her on the top of the mountain. No. While she cried out, don't leave me here by myself. Ah, it's terrible. It's a, it's a horrible story. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the father went back home, and, and uh, they were not annoyed any longer because Grandma was, was on the top of the mountain. Now Grandma was annoyed. Yeah, <laughs> she was definitely annoyed. In fact, the legend goes that I guess she died on the mountain, and then uh, her ghost inhabited the, the area there. Mm-hmm. And when people would go by the mountain, they would see her ghost crying out, Come mm. back! Come back! Mm. It's a scary story. That's it's sad. Yeah. Anyway, that's the official Sorry. legend of... Obatsuteyama. Obatsuteyama. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because um, also pilgrimaging also has a history of kind of um, older people mm-hmm. going on pilgrimage when they're ready to die. And... The reason they do it is because they don't want to, or they say it, it was said that they didn't want to be a burden on their families. Ah. So they would go on pilgrimage and die. Really? To die, they'd actually do it with the intention of dying. Hmm. And if you go down to Shikoku, to the Kobodaishi pilgrimage down there, the 88 Temple pilgrimage, the most famous one in Japan. Mm-hmm. There are s- lots of points along that pilgrimage where people have died. Really? And uh, it was said that they would go off to die wow. when they were older. Like the old Indians used to. Oh, did they? Yeah, kind of like that. So maybe, you know, this family was just a bit upset because uh, it was way past time for Grandma to go out and, and die, and she didn't do it. So they just took her to the top of the mountain and left her there. That's right. Unbelievable. Well, you know, one of the interesting things about this is that uh, Japan has a very strong tradition of family members taking care of their um, elderly parents. That's right. And uh, But recently, apparently, the younger generation has decided that nursing homes are a viable option, and there's a lot more of that uh, kind of thing going on instead of taking care of the parents in the home. Right, like the Obachan Nursing Home Yama. There you go. Obachan, the grandmother nursing home mountain. There you go. <laughs> Not quite the same ring to it. But, yeah, yeah, same idea. I guess so. I guess they made a movie that incorporated some of these ideas uh, recently. Well, even so now, uh, it's still a lot of people feel it's cruel to send your parents to a nursing home. Because it's kind of like leaving them on top of the mountain. Right. Yeah, yeah. I see. And uh, really... I mean, it's going to be a while before it becomes completely acceptable. So, there you go. That's the legend of Obatsuteyama. And thank you, Bud, for sending that in. Thank you, Bud. Nice to hear from you. 
<laughs> that was a big moo to yeah. Bud for sending that in. Thank you. So, is it time to talk about the steel phallus? Oh, baby, it's been time for a long time. I'm I'm excited. Let's go. Ooh, baby. Ooh. <laughs> All right. This is happening in Kanagawa Prefecture, and it happens at the end of March and or the beginning of April, depending on the lunar calendar each year. Mm-hmm. But it's the Festival of the Steel Phallus. Okay. This festival started in the Edo period, around the 1600s, and uh, women went there to pray for protection against syphilis. Ah. Yeah, and especially um, ladies of the night Mm -hmm. would go there and pray for protection. And uh, nowadays, though, there isn't uh, much syphilis around anymore, but we do have HIV and AIDS. So now people go there to pray for protection against HIV and AIDS. Hmm. And um, other sexually transmitted diseases. And uh, no, it just occurs to me that instead of going there and, and praying for such things, you might just go down to the drugstore and, and pick up some condoms. Um, <laughs> yeah, but they're not steel. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Right. I'm sorry. You know, a steel phallus is, you know, a much stronger protect form of protection. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So all donations uh, at the festival go to research for AIDS. And actually, it's quite a. The modern festival is quite different from what it used to be. Nowadays, you have uh, transvestites parading down and carrying Mikoshi portable shrines. Oh, that's colorful. Yep, and they carry a very large pink phallus. Ah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that nice? Still, as with other fertility festivals in Japan, you can still get the carnal candy to look on. Carnal candy. Yeah. And you can get those uh, sweet pies uh, with azuki beans inside them in the shape of phalluses. Oh, my God. And they even carve penises out of daikon. Well, that seems like a natural thing to do. (laughs) Yeah, you wouldn't think they'd have to do much carving there, do you? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, and then they auction them off. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, is this like... uh, a family outing kind of thing? Well, apparently it, it is because it says that uh, even like the kids and the the women, they like to play on the penis-shaped seesaws. <laughs> sure, oh, why not? They do not. They do. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And now this is a Shinto festival. And, of course, Shinto is a religion, and uh, a lot of Westerners are shocked that, you know, there would be all this, you know, flagrant, you know, waving of phalluses in a religious ceremony. But actually, in Japan, this is normal. Shintoism and fertility and basically religion and sex go hand in hand here, so Mm -hmm. to speak. And um, (laughs) actually, the creation of Japan and the Japanese islands is a very interesting story. Do tell. All right, I will. You know how we have Adam and Eve, right? Oh, I love that story. You know, well, they have their own story about Japan. Mm -hmm. This one, I'm going to read a little bit here, okay? Because it's, the wording is so eloquent, I don't think I could capture it in my own words. Okay. Okay? It says, the national creation myth is in which the, the kami, right, the god, and the female deities... Their names are Izanagi no Mikoto and Izanami no Mikoto, are said to have stirred the primordial muck with a heavenly jeweled spear before creating the island of Onogoro. Mm-hmm. The couple then descended from the heavens and married, with Izanami giving birth to Japan's islands as well as its many gods. So the islands came from muck? <laughs> no, no, no. They came from the heavenly jeweled spear. Which mixed the muck. Mm-hmm. That's the m- right. And the muck became Japan. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay, in a related part of this national myth, okay, then there's this deity, and her name was Amenozume, and she, believe it or not, flashed her sexual organs at the other deities. Oh, she did not. She did. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, in the meantime, the sun goddess, Amaterasu, she was hiding in a cave. And because she was hiding in this cave, she brought darkness to all of Japan. Now, she heard all this commotion happening when Amanozume was flashing Mm -hmm. and all the other gods were, you know, making a big to-do about this. And she peeked out of her cave. Uh And when she peeked out of the cave, she saw her reflection in a mirror. Uh And this restored light to the world, the Japanese world. to To Japan. Yeah. So because of this flasher goddess. That's right. That's the entire reason that Japan is... In light now. ...was born. If it hadn't been for the flasher goddess, we would be living in darkness. Indeed. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. Isn't it? Yeah. And this is how the Japanese people believe that Japan was created. Ah. I wonder if that's true. Of course it is. You think? Yeah. Could be, I guess. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Sounds good to me. The flasher goddess. Mm-hmm. Isn't she great? I've never really heard anything good said about somebody who flashed, but apparently it brought light to Japan. Yeah. Well, thank you, Flasher Goddess. So anyway, you can go all go and see all this modern commotion with the transvestites and the pink phallus and, uh, you know, make donations to Research for AIDS. Mm-hmm. So you'd be doing really the world a good thing if you went to the Festival of the Steel Phallus. Cool. Yeah, and it's located in Kanagawa Prefecture, which is up there near Yokohama. Mm-hmm. And it's in uh, Kawasaki Daishi. Okay. Don't miss it. You know, we were just talking about this sex and religion going hand in hand. And one thing that surprises Westerners when they come to Japan is the ubiquitous love hotels. Oh, they're everywhere. It's kind of like, you know, sex in your face sure. all the time. Like, you know, you're just riding on the bus and there are these big signs, you know. Mm-hmm. Two hours, only 3,000 yen at mm. this hotel. Well, that is a pretty good price. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. And so it's rather alarming sometimes. And, and, well, the love hotels themselves are really pieces of art, aren't they? Indeed. They're uh, architectural... Uh, Wonders. Phenomenons, yeah. Yeah, castles, um, all kinds of different things, mm-hmm. you know. It's, it's really a lot like going to Disney World. Exactly. Mm-hmm. With sex. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we wonder, why is this acceptable here? It's true that the Japanese don't have uh, the hang-ups with sex the way we do. And when you look at the Shinto religion, since it, you know, kind of promotes fertility and, you know, steel phalluses and wooden phalluses and all mm-hmm. that in their festivals, it's not surprising on one hand. On the other, actually, they did used to have uh, a lot of love hotels that were kind of um, dirty, grimy places. Mm -hmm. Sleazy, perhaps. Sleazy, yeah. Yeah. Good word. Thank you very much. I I had a dictionary. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They also had a problem, though, with uh, young people in the parks, just, you know, kind of doing it and trying out things. Doing it in the park? Yeah, at nighttime. You mean doing it in the park? It. It? It. Okay. Yeah. I got it. That one. Yeah. So um, the creation of fully established legal love hotels, one of the reasons for doing it, according to this book, this new book called Law in Everyday Japan, Mm -hmm. Sex, Sumo, Suicide, and Statutes by Mark West. 
He claims that uh, one of the reasons for establishing these uh, honest-to-God legal love hotels was to try to take people off the streets and put them inside to get them out of public view. Ah. And it worked. Out of the park and into the love hotel. That's right. So now with all these love hotels, it's basically, you know, a supply and demand thing, you know. They mm -hmm. People are now using the love hotels rather than the parks. And they've uh, certainly achieved a legitimacy that uh, is a little surprising, although there's nothing terribly untoward going on in most of these places except people having sex. That's right. I mean, people have sex in all, kinds, home, of, all kinds of right? hotels. So <laughs> why shouldn't they be able to do it in a hotel, especially well, that's for kind that of purpose? The, that's kind of the point in Japan. That a lot of people don't have privacy. Or they have uh, issues with privacy at home, so they go to these rather, in many cases, elegant establishments to uh, yeah. have sex. Japanese houses are really small, and when you consider you've got, you know, your your mother and father living there with you, and mm -hmm. you know the kids often live in the same room as the parents, and exactly, and well, heck, also, how would all these men be able to have affairs? There you go. Right. Yeah, it's very convenient for that too. Yeah, yeah. lots of things. Now, do you ever hear about that uh, love hotel in Kyoto? No, tell me. This is a very strange story, from uh, 1997. Apparently, there was a uh, prostitute who, I guess, they have been known to use love hotels for their oh, for right. their uh, trysts. Mm -hmm. That's a good word. Had to use my dictionary again. Mm -hmm. This um, dictionary. Yeah. She was entertaining a gentleman there in one of the love hotels and uh, he killed her. Mm. He killed her and and stuffed her body under the mattress like in he carved out the bed springs or something kind of stuffed her in there. So he kind of he, he hid her body inside the bed Ooh. and uh, and left. Wow. I guess he didn't want to stick around. He left and uh, according to the newspapers, uh, at least a dozen couples came in and used the room, used the bed, after she had been stuffed in there. And they didn't know that, that she was under there. They had no idea that there was a dead body in the bed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Didn't they smell her? After a while, somebody did. Uh. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, you, you rent those things by the hour sometimes. So. Right. So after a few hours, somebody uh, reported, I guess, to the maid, uh, there's a strange smell coming from my bed. Maybe you should check it out. And so they found the maid founder. The maid found the body, mm, called geez. the cops. I don't know. I wonder if the ghost is haunting that particular love hotel now. Mm, do you think they charged her for all that time she was in there? Ooh, that's a good question, yeah. Should have had mm. a hefty bill. Yeah. I don't think they ever caught the guy. Really? Yeah, I think he got away with it. But they've changed the name of the hotel now, haven't they, since they did. then? <laughs> they did. I guess the hotel didn't uh, really enjoy the reputation mm -hmm. of uh, having somebody killed and stuffed into one of their beds so they changed the name of the hotel hoping that would fool people and that they wouldn't realize the where they were and uh, <laughs> has it worked i don't know oh. i hope so mm -hmm. for their sake right yeah that's a rather unfortunate incident oh it's a horrible that. incident yeah mm -hmm. weird Ugh. anyway that's the story of the love hotel well you know what time it is it's time for blog of the week blog of the week indeed this is the part of the show where we highlight one of our very favorite blogs and or podcasts each week, uh, something related to Japan that we think our listeners will enjoy. Great. Blog me. And this week, our blog of the week is... SushiCam.com Oh, Jeff. Yeah, you know Jeff. Oh, he's a great guy. SushiCam.com is a photo blog. And he is a fantastic photographer. Yeah, he's a very good photographer. And uh, a photo blog is interesting because you got, you got your writing and you got your photography all in one. Mm -hmm. They naturally complement each other, I would say. Now, apparently, Jeff has taken on some other contributors recently. Mm -hmm. So um, 
there's a lot of variety of different things related to Japan, writing and photos, yeah. The gentleman's name is Jeff Leitilla. He's uh, originally from Michigan in the U.S., and he lives here in Japan now with his, uh, his wife. And the name of the blog is sushicam.com. It's a great blog with lots of really good photos and lots of interesting writing about uh, things going on in Japan. Yeah, and he's been doing this a long time. I, I don't know him. Um, I've emailed him before. We've emailed back and forth. But um, I did highlight his blog in my guidebook to Japan. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah. It's one of the best photo blogs out there about Japan that I've seen. Yeah, definitely. Check yeah. it out. Great. Yeah, but yeah. it's a great, great blog, sushicam.com. Check it out. And that's this week's Blog of the Week. Is it time for cowtails? Sure, why not? Let's do a cowtail. To all the cowtails listeners out there. Now, this is yet another use for cows. Now, we're not talking about harming cows. No. Like, not for bee, for, for their hide. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like more uses of cows, because cows are very useful animals, right? Indeed. They give us milk. They work in our fields. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes uh, people eat them. Yep. And now they're even going to provide us with gasoline. According to some researchers at the Tokyo University of Agriculture and Technology, they have successfully been able to extract gasoline from cow shit. No way. Yep. Cow shit gasoline. That's right. Wow. Wow. Now that's a concept. Isn't it though? I think it's great. All you have to do is apply high pressure and heat. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fun job. Yeah. Uh And your car will go. So if I just took the cow shit and stuffed it into my gas tank, is that going to work for me? I think so. Try it. Yeah? Yeah. Wow. That's that's a lot cheaper than going up and filling up with gasoline all the time. Actually, it's not that easy. But uh, they can extract... Uh, a little bit of gasoline out of a lot of cow dung. Mm-hmm. And they say that about 551,000 tons of cow dung are produced each year in Japan. That's a lot of cow dung. Well, I'm not really sure about that because I don't think there are a whole lot of cows in Japan compared to like Australia or America. So I'm thinking if they can power their cars here in Japan with this, you know, cow shit, just think what the rest of the world can do as well. Well, maybe Japan could import cow shit. Now, that would be something new because right now Japan depends entirely on imports for oil and gasoline. There you go. So that that would really turn the tables, yeah? Yeah. It would be a real cash cow for them. Sure. (laughs) So to speak, yeah. And not only that, but um, also from cow, let's call it dung. Let's call it. It's a much more polite word. It is cow dung. Um, The cow dung also has been used recently to extract um, an ingredient of vanilla. Huh? And with the ar- aromatic ingredient in vanilla, which is kind of hard to believe because, yeah. you know, I've smelled cow dung before and I just yeah. never smelled a trace of vanilla in it. It doesn't smell like vanilla. Uh, but apparently there is vanillin, which is the ingredient that gives that smell. Mm-hmm. And um, they're thinking now of using this as a fragrance in uh, like shampoo candles and things like that. So I'm going to be washing my hair with cow dung. Dung? If you're lucky. <laughs> and powering your, you know, motor car with it. And Really? Yeah. So wow. you, everyone should have a few cows. Or at least uh, have a collection of cow shit. Yeah. I'm sorry. Cow dung. Dung. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. That's this week's Cow Tale. Thank you very much. It's time for audio mnemonics. Oh, this must be the part of the program, the very popular part of Planet Japan, where we introduce 
kanji to people by describing it orally. That's right, in imaginative terms. Or is it orally? By describing it verbally. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now, today's kanji is the kanji for grandmother. Oh, that's appropriate. It is. Mm -hmm. um, I thought I'd kind of tie it into our story of uh, the throwaway grandma mountain. Right. This kanji is first, you just write the kanji for day, which is just a rectangle, right? A vertical rectangle with the line slashed through it mm -hmm. horizontally. Right. And then, so th this is the kanji for day. And when you think of your grandmother, you think a nice, you know, happy person, mm -hmm. a symbol of daylight and sunshine, sure. and, you know, nice. Yeah. And then inside, you've got two little marks that look like tears. They do look like tears. Yeah, because yeah. the grandmother has just been thrown away on the mountain. On the mountain. Yeah. Two little tears. Yeah. One, one in each square. Now, this is also the kanji for mother, but the pronunciation is different. When uh, it's used for mother, it's okasan. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it's grandmother, it's obasan. Right. Or sobo. Okay. Also means one's grandmother. But the kanji is the same? It is. So uh, that's our kanji for the day, the crying grandmother on the mountain. <laughs> Thank you very much. Anytime. That's this week's audio mnemonics kanji. Ma well, I think we've uh, reached the end of our rope. rope. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The end of our rope. Yeah. And also the end of our program. All right. Yeah. So we want to say thank you to everybody for listening. And if I could just take a minute here at the end of the show to to plead with people, to beg people. I'm not I'm not above begging to go over to the planetjapan.org website and click on the uh, vote link there and cast your vote for March if you have not already done so. We've dropped a little bit in the ratings, and uh, we need a big surge to carry us on to victory for March. And we have a plan for victory, and we're not going to leave podcasting until we achieve that victory. So, there you go. By the way, uh, shall we get a little sneak preview? We're planning a couple of uh, exciting contests. Uh, Planet Japan contests. We can actually win. Prizes. Real prizes. Yeah. Yeah, not just, not just like a stick of gum either. We're talking real prizes. Real prizes. Cadillacs and... <laughs> <laughs> Heifer cows. Yeah, sure, uh -huh. things like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. It'll be great. Just a reminder that our website is at planetjapan.org and our email is planetjapan05 at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from the listeners. Yeah, we sure would. We love our listeners. We do. Okay, thanks, everybody. I thanks, Amy. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Doug. Bye-bye. Sayonara. Sayonara.